I like going into the word of the Lord this morning. If you'd like to stand with me as we quickly go to the book of Hebrews chapter 9. Again, so good to see everybody here this morning. Please keep those that are sick in body, not able to be here. Please keep them in your prayers. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 9. We will begin reading at verse number 1. <clears throat> I may set the stage, may take a few minutes this morning, but please stay with me. I do feel like I have something that I'm, I need to share with the people of God this morning. Amen. Will you help me for a few minutes this morning? Amen. I need some help. If you're not going to help me, we might as well just say a little prayer and you can go your own way this afternoon. But how many will pray? How many will seek the mind of God this morning? How many will preach with me this morning? How many want to hear something from the Word of the Lord today? How many want something from the Lord this morning? Amen. How many want some bread from heaven? How many want some heavenly manna this morning? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Help us, Lord, today. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 1. Then verily, the first covenant. Everybody say first covenant. So the... The writer here is referencing all the way back the covenant, referencing Moses on the Mount Sinai, had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary, for there was a tabernacle made, the first, again referencing the first tabernacle, wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And, all, and after the second veil... The tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein, wherein, inside of the Ark was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant. These three things that were in the Ark of the Covenant, the golden pot that had manna that God blessed them with in the wilderness, that God sustained them, Aaron's rod that budded, that actually bore fruit, had almonds, and the tables of the covenant. Tables of stone, the Ten Commandments, the law. I want to preach for a few minutes this morning, and it may not make sense right now, but I'm praying that with the help of the Lord this morning, and I need the help of the Lord today. Jesus, I need your help. I want to title this message this morning, The Implication of What Was Left. The Implication of What Was Left. God, I pray right now in your precious name, God, that you would anoint my heart, my mind, my soul, my lips of clay. Help me to deliver your word to your people. Let this edify your, the body of Christ. Let this edify us this morning. And I pray you would stir in somebody's heart, mind, and soul today as they receive something, a word from you today in their spirit. Give you all the glory and the praise and let the church say amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. Thank you, Jesus. I would like to quickly not give you a complete exhaustive timeline, but just a, a brief timeline, if you will, of the Ark of the Covenant. We find approximately 1,446 years before Christ, almost 1,500 years before Christ, God met with Moses at Mount Sinai. The Bible tells us in Exodus 24 and Exodus 25 how Moses was up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights and how God gave him there the commandments. But God also gave him some directions and the blueprints, if you will, on building the sanctuary of the Lord. And within the sanctuary, God instructed Moses on what to build and what to make and what to place inside of the sanctuary. I'm not going to preach much on the sanctuary this morning, but suffice it to say, there, there was an ark of the covenant that God instructed Moses to build and place inside the holiest of holies in the sanctuary. In Exodus 25, verse 21, God said, Thou shalt put the mercy seat above the ark, and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. How many have a testimony of the goodness of God this morning? 
And there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims, which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things, which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. I'm thankful that God still meets with us from the seat of mercy. Praise God. I just believe that the two cherubims, the two angels that God placed at the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve lost relationship, I'm thankful that we have access into relationship with the Lord of Lords and King of Kings through the seat of mercy, the same two cherubims on top of the ark. Praise God. I'm thankful that He still meets with His people from the seat of mercy this morning. I'm thankful for His mercy that's everlasting to everlasting. Hallelujah. Somebody shout amen. Numbers 10, verse 33 says, They departed from the mount of the Lord three days' journey, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them in three days' journey to search out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was upon them by day, and when they went out of the camp, and it came to pass, when the ark was set forward, the ark was in front of the people of God, that Moses said, Rise up, Lord, and let thine enemies be scattered, and let them that hate thee flee before thee. I'm reading this scripture. There's many more that you could turn to, but the Ark of the Covenant would lead the people throughout the wilderness when they would pick up and, and they would move and follow the, the pillar of fire or follow the cloud by day. And the Ark of the Covenant, the, the Spirit of God would always lead the people. We need the presence of the Lord and the Spirit of God to lead us in this day and age. Praise God. We need to follow the will of God today. The ark led the people, and the Spirit of God still wants to lead His people. Amen. The ark, the presence of God, is not to follow us, but is to lead us. Praise God. A lot of times we want the Spirit of the Lord to follow us. Signs and wonders should follow us, but the Spirit should always lead us. Praise God. And around 1385, after the ark was used uh, to cross the Jordan River and the priests stepped on the, into the Jordan River and they walked across dry ground and they took the city of Jericho and the ark led them and, and the people of God. You find in Joshua 18, the whole congregation, verse number 1, of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of the congregation and there and, and the land was subdued before them. We find that... Joshua, here in Joshua 18, he takes the Ark of the Covenant and he takes it to the city of Shiloh where there it will remain for the most part for about 369 years. And the Bible says while the Ark was there, the presence of God was there, that the land was subdued before them. I'm telling you, if you need some things subdued in your life, you need to make sure you are living with the presence of the Holy Ghost. You need the presence of God in your life. Praise God. In 1371 and 1370, it was, it was moved a couple times temporarily to Shechem and then also to Bethel. But it resided for the most part in the city, a place, the town of Shiloh. And then we know that after several hundred years, um, going down to about 1,050 before Christ, it, it, the Ark of the Covenant was taken into battle uh, by Israel, Eli was the, the, the prophet and his sons that were doing horrible, sinful things even inside the temple of God and the, the tabernacle and Hophni and Phinehas. And they went to battle and they took the Ark of the Covenant with them and there it was taken by the Philistines. And they lost, Israel lost the Ark. They lost the Ark of the Covenant. They lost what represented the presence of God. I said, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. <laughs> you can take everything, but don't take his presence from me. You, you can take worldly fame and wealth, but don't take my relationship with God. The problem was, Hophni and Phinehas didn't care about relationship. They wanted the things of God. And because of their sin, the Bible says that the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant from Israel and smote them. Amen. It was about this time, about a little over a thousand years before Christ, the ark was taken by the Philistines. And there, it, it, in 1 Samuel 6 and 1, tells us that the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. They had the presence of God. They had the ark of the covenant. They had, they had the pot of manna. They, they, they had the, the Aaron's rod that budded. And they had the law, the tables of stone inside of the ark. 
The Bible says that while the ark was there, that the Philistines continued to move the ark because God smote them with plagues. And I won't get into all the plagues, but it was an extremely uncomfortable situation for the people. And they moved it from Ashdod where Dagon and the, the, fell over and his head cut, broke off and then his body, his hands broke off and Ashdod, they took it from there to Gaza and then Gaza, they, God smote the people there, the Philistines, they took it to Ascalon and then after Ascalon they took it to Gath and, and, and God smote the people there and then they took it to Ekron and I guess the fifth time was a charm because they said, we're tired of all these plagues plaguing us. And it seems like everywhere Israel's art goes that God smites us with plagues. So they, they, got, a, they got a couple of, of oxen and they, they put it on a, a cart and they put the ark on the cart and they said, go back to where you came from. They sent it on down the road. And the Bible says that the ark came to the place of Beth Shemesh. 1 Samuel chapter 6, verse 19. And the Bible says, and God smote the men of Beth Shemesh Wait a second, the ark is coming back to Israel, back where it belongs, and yet God smites them too, and here's why. Because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. It was not their place. They were not supposed to do that. They were messing with the things of God. God helped those that try to mess with the people of God. They tried to Lift up the, they lifted up the ark and they looked inside the ark and they tried to see what was inside the ark. God smote 50,070 men. That's what it says. 50,000 and three score and ten men. And the people lamented because the Lord had smitten many of the people with a great slaughter. And so they didn't want to keep it in Bethlehem either, so they sent the ark. 1 Samuel chapter 7, the next chapter, chapter 7, verse 1. And the men of kerjath came and fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eliezer his son to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass, while the ark abode in kerjath that the time was long, and it was tw- there twenty years. And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And then a few verses later in verse 14, this is just powerful. I was reading, trying to go through the whole timeline and just spending some time and study. And in this chapter, I'm just going to kind of little bit, little bonus for you this morning. Verse 17 of chapter 7 of 1 Samuel. And the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron even to Gath. I don't know if you caught that. But God smote five Philistine cities that had taken the ark and they tried to take the presence of God and they tried to keep the ark for themselves and yet God smote them and so they send it back. And when it gets back to its rightful place where it belongs, God restored Israel. Can I tell you somebody this morning, when the presence of God returns to where He belongs and wants to abide, the cities that had been lost were restored to Israel. Because from Ekron, even all the way to Gath and the coast thereof, did Israel, that's all those cities, by the way, did Israel deliver out of the hands of the Philistines and there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. If I had time to preach, I'd preach this whole message right here. I'm telling you, this morning, I hear me right now, when the presence of God returns, God will restore For those backsliders out there, all they need is for the presence of God to return and they too can be restored in the presence of God. Think God wants to restore joy and peace and love and the Holy Ghost. He just needs to abide where... When His presence becomes a priority, His hand always restores. Can I, I'm going to tell that to somebody again. When the presence of God becomes our priority, God will restore. There's a whole world that needs some restoration. The problem is, is God is not their priority. I wonder what would happen if a people would say, God, you're going to be our number one priority. We're going to put you first in everything. We're going to seek first the kingdom. 
Did not Jesus say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you? Amen. If you'll get your relationship with Jesus Christ right, God will restore what the canker worm hath eaten. If you'll get your relationship right with God, God will restore. Oh, somebody give him praises. Praise God. We want backsliders to be restored in music and be restored in ministry. They first need an infilling of the Holy Ghost. They need a refreshing. They need a new touch. Praise God. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching because I, a little bit fast this morning because I got a little ways to go, but I, I don't want to sidestep. Amen. I don't want to miss it this morning. I want to tell somebody, if you'll get the presence of God, if you'll make God a priority in your life, God wants to restore. In your life. Somebody shout amen. We find... 2 Samuel chapter 6, we find David wanting the ark back in Jerusalem or in Jerusalem. The Bible says they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah and Uzzah and Ahio. The sons of Abinadab drove the new cart. You know the story. It comes across nations, uh, Nacon's, Nacon or nation's uh, threshing floor and Uzzah put forth his hand, the Bible says, uh, to, to study the ark and, and, and took hold of it and the oxen shook it, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. We need to be careful how we handle the presence of God. And God smote him there for his error, and there he died by the ark of God. The ark was to, live, was to give people life and not death, but things of God. It's a serious business. The presence of God is a serious thing. And God, I don't want to take your presence lightly. I want to be careful how we handle the things of the Lord. In the ark, the Bible says in verse 11, the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Abinadab, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And David said, okay, let's try this again. And we're going to go six paces and we're going to offer a sacrifice. We're going to go six paces and we're going to offer a sacrifice. And there were thousands of sacrifices that took place because that was a little distance, a little ways to cover. We find around 999 B.C., about a thousand years before Christ, David brought the ark to Jerusalem. And there it would abide there until David would be gone and Solomon would build the temple. And around 930 B.C., Solomon built the temple and he put the ark of the covenant inside of the temple. And we're going to come back to that in just a little while. But he put the ark in the temple, and there we, 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 we have record, historical record in the Bible, talks about the Ark of the Covenant being there until around the Babylonian captivity, around 586 B.C., and then there's no more sight, record, or mention of the Ark. Some believe that it was hidden. There's all kinds of theories out there. I won't get into those. We don't have time but where the Ark is or was or where it has gone to. But suffice it to say, for 15 or over a thousand years at least, the Ark of the Covenant and its contents within represented three things to the people of God. And I'm, I'm fixing to preach now. The first thing we find in our text this morning in Hebrews chapter 9, at the beginning, the beginning of the Ark, the beginning of its journey, we find three things that God instructed Moses to place inside the Ark. The golden pot of manna, that represented the provision of God. The Aaron's rod that budded. Signifying the power of God. And the tables of stone signifying the law, the rule, the word of God. <clears throat> Praise God. I'm thankful our God is a provider. One phrase. Abraham used the phrase Jehovah Jireh. My provider. 
Psalms 23, David said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Brother Cotton testified, He takes care of everything that we need. That's what Brother Cotton said just a few minutes ago. God is a God of provision today. God said, I'm going to give you a testimony. And inside this ark of your testimony, one thing you got to know is I am your provider. I can provide and I will provide for my people. David went on to say, Thou preparest a table before me in the very presence of mine enemies. God is a provider for his people. We like to say where God guides, he always provides. I have a testimony this morning that God is a God of provision. I have a testimony like you, Brother Cotton, that he can supply all my needs. He's a faithful God. I said he's a faithful God. How many here this morning know that God is a God that can provide everything you need? Psalmist said in Psalms 37, 25, I've been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. Praise God. Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. My God can still supply all my needs. I said my God can still supply all my needs. Praise God. And if you'll seek first the kingdom of God, if you'll make his His presence, His Spirit, a priority in your life. God can also provide your needs this morning. I've got some things I have need of. The first thing you need is the presence of God. Because when you get the presence of God, you'll get a testimony. And the first thing you'll find in your testimony is God is a God of provision. Praise God. Second thing we find as our testimony was Aaron's rod that budded. It represents the miraculous power of God. Psalms 62 and 11 says all power belongs to God. Psalms 147 and 5, great is our Lord and of great power. I have a testimony this morning. My God is a great God. My God is the mighty God in Christ. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's the beginning. He's the ending. He's the first. He's the last. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. He's the mighty God in Christ. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's everything. 2 Chronicles 20 and 6. In thy hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee. I'm talking about a most powerful God. All power in heaven and earth is in his name and his name is Jesus. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the governor shall be upon his shoulder, and thou shalt call his name Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. He is the Mighty God. He's not a second person or a third person or a junior person, but he's the Mighty God, the one true God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. There's still one Lord. There's still one faith. There's still one baptism. Our God is a Mighty God. Exodus 15, thy right hand, Moses said, O Lord, has become glorious in power. And thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. There is no demon in hell that can withstand the mighty might of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Revelations eleven seventeen says, we give thanks, O Lord God, almighty. He's almighty. That means he's got all might. Which is, which was. And is to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. Our God is the mighty God. John 1 and 12 says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Acts 1 and 8, Jesus told his disciples, he said, you shall receive power After that, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost power is come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and into Judea and into Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. I'm thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost. 
I've got a testimony today. He is my God of provision. He can provide everything I need. But I also have part of my testimony that he's the mighty God. And he filled me with the power of the Holy Ghost. Able to walk above sin. Able to live above sin. Able to withstand the fiery darts of the wicked of the devil. Amen. God enabled us with the power of the Holy Ghost. Praise God, 2 Corinthians 4. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power, everybody say power, power. may be of God and not of us. It's not my power, it's His power. It's not by my might, by His might. By His Spirit. So not by power, not by might, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. What's He talking about? If you get the presence of God, you'll get the provision, you'll get the power, you'll have everything you have need of. Praise God. Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly. Think about that. God's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. How many can think some big things? According to the power that worketh in us. You're not seeing exceeding abundantly things in your life. Maybe there's a power source problem. When's the last time you plugged in? Anyone thankful? You have a testimony. God is a God of power. He's a God of might. He hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and of a sound mind. Praise God. When you have the presence of God, when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, God will provide for you. He'll give you power. He'll give you a testimony. He'll put His Word in your life. You see, the third thing that we find in the Ark of the Covenant were the, ten, the tables of stone, the Ten Commandments representing the rule of God, the law of God, the Word of God. First Timothy said in chapter 1, verse 8, but we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. Romans 7 and 12, wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and just, and is good. Everybody say, the law is good. The law of God is good this morning. Some people look at us and go, oh, you guys can't do this, and you can't do that. I'm telling you, there's goodness in the law. I'm thankful there's some, there's some boundaries that God has set. I'm thankful that there's some guidelines that God has. I'm th- it's a privilege to present my body a living sacrifice, holy, 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 and acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable sir. It's a privilege. Why? Because the law is good. You go, you, you go against the law of God. Looks how, look at how bad things are getting out there. People calling good Evil and evil good. People born this way but want to be something different. The law is good. Oh, you bunch of legalistic, Pentecostal, apostolic. Legalistic. It's part of my testimony. This is this is the law, the the, the law, the, the word that's helping me get to heaven. I want to be saved. I said, I want to be saved. Without it, no one has any hope. Wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and is good. Romans 5:19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. That's us. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteousness. righteous. Thank you, Jesus. Moreover, the law entered. Hold on now. The law entered 
that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. The law entered, entered where? Into a place that took my place at the cross. Let me get, let me, I'm going to come back to that in a second. Romans 8 and 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. His blood was shed at Calvary. Thank God for the blood. The veil in the tabernacle was rent from top to bottom. Signifying access. That he entered once into the holy place. I'm going to skip a little bit in my nose. In the beginning, the Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word, the law, became flesh. The law is the flesh. I've got a testimony today that I'm united and connected with the body of Christ. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Thank you, Jesus, for the law. Hebrews 10. For the law having a shadow. You ever heard of types and shadows? In the Old Testament, the New Testament, types and shadows. For the law having a shadow of good things to come. The Old Testament law, the Old Testament covenant, the Old Testament was the Ten Commandments, and eight of them were thou shalt not. But it was still good. Hello. But it was a, a shadow of something to come. He said, I'm going to take out the stony heart and give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to put my law inside of you. It's not something you got, you're going to have to carry around, but it's going to be a, become part of you. Matthew 5, 17, think not that I am come, Jesus said, to destroy the law or the prophets, but I am come not to destroy, I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till it all be fulfilled. He said, I didn't come to do away with the law, I came to fulfill the law. I came to be the perfect sacrifice. Everything in the Old Testament, everything in the Old Testament law was a type and shadow pointing and directing everything to me. Praise God. And now I finally reached what I wanted to preach on. It was around 950. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse number 1. We find the ark has been brought to Jerusalem. David was not able to build the temple because he was considered a man of war and he wasn't able to build it, but he went and got all the materials. But Solomon, his son, would build the temple. And it was Solomon that assembled all the elders together in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse number 1. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes and the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel unto King Solomon. He brought all the who's who. This was a huge thing. Everybody from everywhere that was anybody was there. Unto King Solomon in Jerusalem, that they might bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. And the next six verses, uh, seven verses, uh, talk about the Ark of the Covenant. But I, I want to kind of drop down to verse number 8. 1 Kings 8. And, eight. and they drew out the staves. They, they, they've taken it. They've placed it into the, the holiest of holies. They, they've placed it in, in behind the veil. The priests have taken it. They've dedicated the, the temple. They, they had the candlestick. They have the table of sherbet. They've dedicated the, 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 the temple of God. Everything's beautiful. Everything is as it should be. And they take it behind and, and, and they, 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 they take the ends of the staves. They can see they were sticking out from under the curtain, out from the veil. And, and you can see it out in the holy place before the oracle. And they were not seen without. And then, and there they were until this day, he said. But verse 9 says, and there was nothing. There was nothing. They've brought the ark. This same ark that led Moses 
The same ark that they had for 40 years in the wilderness. The same ark that had the pot of manna, Aaron's rod, the tables of stone. They took with them across Jordan River. They, 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 they led them around Jericho. It led them in the promised land and, and for 369 years it dwelled in Shiloh and, and, and God gave the people of God many victories because of His presence that would lead before them when they would go out to battle. The same ark that the Philistines would later take and for seven months keep it and try to move it from five different cities and then finally take it and send it on down the road and it comes to Beth Shemesh and they they looked inside of the ark and were messing with the things inside of the ark. And, and, and God smote them, 50,070 men. God slaughtered just like that. Because they were messing with the things inside of the ark. Because it wasn't about the presence, it was about the things. And they take it to Gergerotham. Finally, it finds a resting place until David will go and get it and bring it to Jerusalem. And now, now Solomon has brought it. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. He's brought it into the, the temple. It, it's, it, the ark is, is back home. It's where it should be. But something happened in all of this time while changing hands over and over and through generation after generation for over a thousand years, something has happened. Because verse 9 says, There was nothing in the ark save the two tables of stone which Moses had put there at Horeb. Then when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel, when they came out of the land of Egypt, wait, hold on a second. The ark, everything looks good on the outside. It's the ark of the covenant. But something's missing. The pot of manna representing... The provision of God is gone. Aaron's rod that putted, signifying the miraculous power of God, is gone. But there's an implication of what was left. It tells us a great story. Everybody wants the provision, everybody wants the blessing. Everybody wants the miraculous power. Everybody wants a healing. Everybody wants a blessing. Everybody wants an outpouring of God's power. Everybody wants God to heal their family. Everybody wants God to heal their, their honey bun. Everybody wants God to heal grandma and grandpa. Everybody wants God to provide them with a good job. Everybody wants them for God. Everybody wants God to provide for them food for the table. But somehow, over a thousand years, somebody had taken the provision, but they left the law. Somebody had taken the miraculous, but they left the law. They didn't want the law. They didn't want the rule of God in their life. They didn't want the... God helped the Apostolic Rock Church not to be satisfied with just the provision of God. Not to be satisfied with just the miraculous. But I want God. I want the Word of God. I want Jesus in my life. I want the rule of God and the reign of God. If you want everything that God is, would you give him some praise right now in this house? The implication is that everyone wants the provision. Everyone wants the power. But not everyone wants the law. I want the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, 
when he told the devil himself, he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I don't want just the manna. I want the word of God. I'm thankful for provision. I'm thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost. I've got to have the word. I'm thankful for the provision of God. God is still Jehovah Jireh. He's still our provider. I'll say it again. He's still my provider. I'm thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful for the miraculous power. I'm thankful people can come up here. We can anoint and pray in faith. And we know our God is able to heal and to do the miraculous. I'm thankful. And we need more miraculous. I'm thankful for the signs. Brother Monks, I'm thankful for the wonders. But I'm also thankful for the Word of God. I said I'm thankful for the Word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone. Provision of God ain't going to keep you, honey. I'm telling you, just the provision ain't going to do it. Even just a little bit of power coming into it and feeling them. Ooh, I feel a little something, something moving here. That ain't going to do it either. You got to have the truth. He said, buy the truth and sell it not. Not trying to put down any other churches, but hear me this morning. Because there's some that, that have some truth. They ain't got the whole truth. God's still giving me truth. We've talked about that in Foundations. What truth is. What truth is to me. What did the capital T? His truth. And I don't have complete understanding. So I can tell you I don't have the whole truth. I, didn't, I hadn't seen this before. It's amazing how much truth is in the truth. It's amazing how much good stuff's out of this good book. His word is awesome. I love little nuggets of truth. I'm like, man, this is awesome. I was texting back and forth for probably over an hour. Me and Brother Hopkins, I said, man, I got to send you these, this, these notes. He said, we're texting back and forth. I just love truth. I love the word of God. Shout out to Brother Hopkins. Hope you're doing good this morning. If you tune in and listen to this message. He said he's still in this message. I said, I got to preach it first. Thankful for the truth. Again, I'm not trying to put it out of the churches, but there are some because that's they maybe they're on their they're on their progression, they're on their journey, and I pray they come to greater truth and greater knowledge, just like I want more truth and more knowledge. Hello? But there are some that are satisfied. Can we just come together and clap our hands? We feel good about ourselves. The Bible says, oh, we don't care about that. We just want to come and feel good. The Bible has some expectations. Like, oh, no, don't talk about expectations. Let's not go to the Word. That's just how we feel. Oh, it doesn't make you feel so good to praise and worship God. I love good music. I hear a good old Pentecostal song. Come on, I love talking to the preacher. You know what I'm talking about? I love to feel and then God begins to move, and I'm in my prayer of worship, and then this happens. Like, God, I love you. I just, ooh, there's nothing like feeling the presence of God. But that, that will sustain you only so far because what happens when the song ends? What happens when you don't feel the presence of the Holy Ghost? What happens when you really don't even feel the same? I've got His Word. Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against Thee. I'm thankful for the provision. I'm thankful for the feeling and the power. How God can do the mighty. He can do the miraculous. He can still save. He can heal. He can bless. He can provide. He can do it. But I'm thankful. I want the word. I don't want just the provision. Hear me. I don't want just the provision. I don't want just the, I want the word of God. If you want the word of God, why don't you stand with me this morning and give God a hand clap of praise and thank him for the word.
I'm closing this morning. Musicians come as we stand here today. Some only want the provision. Some only want the power. Over a thousand years, I don't know who it was, but maybe it was the Philistines that wanted to get the provision or steal the provision. The devils, a, he, he's a thief and he wants to steal, kill, and to destroy. And, and, uh, and he, 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 maybe he, he talked to somebody. Maybe it was even Bethshemesh. Maybe it was even Israel, people of Israel that should have known better. Maybe it was those in Bethshemesh that God smote 50,000 and 70 of them because they looked inside or were messing with the things of God. But somehow, somebody wanted, wanted the rod. Somebody wanted the manna. But nobody seemed to want the law. And I find that, Brother Kranz, I find that becoming more seem like more more frequent these days people say well pastor just give me a little little help with this and right now well you know what the word of god says oh i don't want to hear what the word of god says just tell me how just fix it it's trying to thy thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path it's the word provision doesn't do that even power doesn't do that. His word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. There's provision along the way. There's power to sustain us. His grace is sufficient. His mercy is free. But I got to have the word. Order my steps, God, by your word. I want the provision. We got to have the power and the manifestation of God's power. And God wants to do signs and wonders. He wants to do great things. But at what cost? Ark was never supposed to be a spiritual buffet. We go to hotels, we go to the buffet, we pick and choose. For a thousand years, they were able to pick and choose. We'll take the miracle. Put some whipped cream on that bad boy. Oh, man, I'll take some provision like mashed potatoes, put some good old gravy all over that. Because I know it's, I'm looking at the time, and I know y'all hungry, so now I can really connect them. Oh, man, let's give me some of that right there. That's good stuff. Then you come on down there, and there's some vegetables like, mm-mm. If it's green, my wife don't eat it. Hey, babe, you want some green beans? Mm -mm. Want some salad? Mm -mm. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Fried zucchini. She does eat something green. She likes fried zucchini as she smothers it in ranch. Hey, babe, you want some corn? Mm -mm. Green beans? Mm -mm. Oh, wait, you do like fried green green beans sometimes. With ranch. With ranch. And for a thousand years, people of God and perhaps even the Philistines, people that were the, the heathens out there, they were picking and choosing, but no one seen, brother monks, no one wanted the word. provision may not seem, but I'm telling you, the word will always sustain. First Peter chapter 1, verse 25. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. The word was still there. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. I ain't got time to preach the whole gospel this morning. But we have a good word this morning. I said, we have a good word this morning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And in closing, here we go, last verse, maybe. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Some of you know where I'm going. Verse number 9. For in him, Jesus, dwelleth 
all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You ready? In Him, Jesus Christ, dwelleth the provision Developeth the power, and He is the living Word. Maybe they were just saving the best for last. I feel like shouting all that right now. The fullness of the Godhead, all the fullness dwelleth in Him. Your provision this morning is in Jesus. The power to sustain the power is in Jesus. And He is the Word this morning. (laughs) To lead you and to guide you in righteousness. Everything we need is in Some just want provision, but they don't want Him. Some want the power, but I I want Jesus. Because if I get Jesus, I get all the fullness. When I get Jesus, I get all the fullness. And if there's anybody here this morning that has made up your mind, uh, just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. I'm telling you, you'll get provision, everything you have need of. I just want to invite everybody. This is for the church family this morning. Everybody in the, in the church body of Christ this morning, I wonder if you want to just come down right up here and just say, Jesus, all I need is you. I want you. I want, I want the Word of God in my life. I want the word. I want the provision. I want the blessing. But God, Jesus, I, I've got you. I gotta have you. I gotta have you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your word. Come on, church. For in him dwelleth all the fullness. Whatever you have need of this morning, you can call on the name of Jesus. Whatever you have need of this morning, just call on the name of Jesus. If you need a new touch of the Holy Ghost, why don't you call on his name and begin to give Jesus some praise? If you need miracle this morning you can have it call it on call on ask God in the name of Jesus whatsoever you do in word or deed do all in the precious name of Jesus Christ everything we have need of is in